We are back. I'd like to quote from uh, a Russ Baker piece. Russ Baker, of course, as you well know, operates the whowhatwhy.com website. We've talked to Russ a couple times on this show. And uh, he has a little essay currently up titled, Tennessee Decides It Is Not Backward Enough. Noted Russ, the other day I saw two articles highlighted separately in the same publication. One mentioned that cases of dementia are destined to grow dramatically in America in the coming years. The other explained how the state of Tennessee is intent on making students more stupid. Tennessee has now passed a law permitting teachers to present students with alternatives to well-known scientific principles. The bill easily passed both houses of the legislature, and the governor let it become law without his signature. This new law bars schools and administrators from prohibiting teachers from, quote, helping students understand, analyze, critique, and review in an objective manner the scientific strengths and weaknesses of existing scientific theories covered in the course being taught. Which, of course, doesn't sound like too bad of an idea, but the efforts critics have been quick to point out the only examples the legislation gives of controversial theories are biological evolution, the chemical origins of life, global warming, and human cloning. Russ notes that the law's supporters, including the Knoxville-based Center for Faith and Science International, argue that it promotes critical thinking skills. But opponents, which include the American Association for the Advancement of Science, the Tennessee Education Association, the ACLU, and the National Association of Biology Teachers, argue that the new rules are essentially allowing teachers to depict evolution and global warming as scientifically controversial subjects, when the actual controversy surrounding them comes from the political religious spheres, not from scientists. Noted Russ, probably soon, challenges to the earth being round will get a good airing. Well, I have to disagree with you on that one, Russ. At this point, challenging the earth being round makes you look like such a fool that the religious fundamentalists simply won't go there. But they only gave that one up, really, I think, in the 60s. When I was a boy, the Flat Earth Society still existed. And as we all know, the, based on the history of Western religion, that um, certain advocates of the Earth going around the sun and the Earth being round, well, they did run into a certain amount of trouble with those who felt their interpretation of the Bible was most important. And it's the same knuckleheads operating down in Tennessee right now. What are we going to do? Well, I don't know. Voting Republican probably won't be the solution to that, since the Republican Party in the U.S. Um, is probably the only large right-wing political party in the world that is in denial on the subject of global warming, and apparently also the reality of biological evolution. This, of course, is playing politics. When you want to go to those uh, red states and find the guys walking barefoot, driving their pickups in the backwoods, chances are their Bible-thumping preacher yelling about how... Godless atheists and liberals are ruining this country. We'll probably generate a lot more votes than newsletters to Yale alumni enlisting their support in making sure that tax rates remain low for multimillionaires. Don't you think it's funny that it's controversial that the president is suggesting, as does Warren Buffett, that it would probably be a good idea if people making millions of dollars 
paid the same tax rate as their secretaries? Seems like a promising idea. Of course, when you start talking about taxes and what's fair, holy mackerel, things get crazy quickly. But back to the subject of um, global warming. Article by Eric Talmadge from the AP, printed in the Sacramento Bee, noted that to the world's military leaders, the debate over climate change is long over. They are preparing for a new kind of Cold War in the Arctic, anticipating that rising temperatures there will open up a treasure trove of resources, long dreamed of sea lanes, and a slew of potential conflicts. Peace notes that by Arctic standards, the region is already buzzing with military activity, and experts believe that will increase significantly in the years ahead. Last month, Norway wrapped up one of the largest Arctic maneuvers ever, Exercise Cold Response, with 16,000 troops from 14 countries training on the ice for everything from high-intensity warfare to terror threats. The piece notes that what countries should do about climate change remains a heated political debate, but that's not stopped northern-looking militaries from moving ahead with strategies that assume current trends will continue. All right, since we're talking about politics and stupidity, there's probably a role here for Arnold Schwarzenegger. According to David Siders, writing for, writing for SACB.com, Arnold Schwarzenegger is looking for stories about himself. At work on his autobiography, the former governor asked his league of Twitter followers and Facebook fans what they want to read when Total Recall, my unbelievably true life story, comes out. Apparently more than 2,000 people responded. Talk about bodybuilding, said some. Others suggested your childhood and your time on movie sets. Also politics. Also sex. Not listed in the article. Fathering a child with a member of the household staff. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he is a very clever man, got to be where he is after he achieved, to a substantial degree, his goal of becoming the world's most muscular man, courtesy of massive abuse of anabolic steroids. If you drive past any magazine rack, you'll see, uh, you know, example after example of muscle magazines with washboard abs uh, featuring muscle-bound fanatics, all of whom are abusing steroids, I think it's fair to say. You, you just can't possibly make the human body look like that without steroid abuse. It's turned into a national epidemic with Barry Bonds, baseball players, football players, uh, Olympic athletes getting involved. Huge scandal. In the middle of all this is Arnold Schwarzenegger still holding his yearly bodybuilding contest in Ohio, wherein the participants are all massively abusing steroids. Am I the only one that finds that disgusting? Mr. McMillan? But I like some little gems in the article. It notes that Peter Petrie, who co-wrote Alan Greenspan's autobiography... Wait, how can an autobiography have a co-writer? I mean, an editor, yes, but a co-writer? Did he share in the life he's writing the autobiography about? The article quotes... Randy Jennings, president of TheArnoldFans.com, Arnold's online fan club, is saying, Schwarzenegger hit bottom last year, but for Arnold and fans, the future really looks bright. Jennings, who reportedly lives in Citrus Heights and has a room full of Schwarzenegger memorabilia, said he's writing a book about Schwarzenegger's fans. He added that Schwarzenegger's autobio is highly anticipated, saying, quote, we'd like to hear some stories we've never heard from him in the past. I want to know if he's ever cried or felt defeated by anything and what his best day was. 
I would note that if, if any of you out there can help Randy Jennings actually get a life, you might want to drop a line over at thearnoldfans.com. Since we're talking local politics, I guess we have to back into this toothache of a news story that just will not go away. The issue of the Sacramento Kings, the downtown arena, and the mischief from the Maloof family. We meant to bring on someone from STOP, Sacramento Taxpayers Opposed to Pork, but uh, we've held that up because we want to see where this is breaking. This whole thing kind of reminds me of that moment in George Orwell's 1984 where a man is up haranguing the enemy of, of Oceania. I don't know, was West Asia or East Asia? But at some point during the speech, he gets handed a, uh, a memo showing that they'd now changed alliances. Instead of being allied with one, they were now al- allied with the opposite or not war with the other one. He just goes on with a speech, just changes the names in, in, in mid-sentence, as if nothing was wrong. And that's how these Kings fans strike me here in Sacramento some of whom are backing the Maloofs when they say, well, you know what? After being told now for, what, 20 straight years that Arco Arena is simply impossible to live with, we have to have a, a more modern facility, yada, yada, yada. They have a big meeting back east with the NBA, and uh, George Maloof comes forward and just says, well, why don't we just renovate Arco? Oddly enough, up till that moment, the people were saying, why don't we just renovate Arco? We're the opponents to the basketball deal. And in the wake of all this, Sacramento Mayor Kevin Johnson, former All-Star basketball player and apparently full-time shill for basketball interests at the present time, has said, this deal is not dead. We'll go ahead with the downtown arena proposal. We'll just leave basketball and the Kings and the basketball arena out of it. Now, I thought that was the glue that was holding the entire deal together, wasn't it? And you know what? Those of you who are sort of drug into this story, who listen from other locations, I know that there are people listening in Europe, people listening in Asia. If you have any other similar examples of this kind of sports facility chicanery that's going on, please drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. We do know that again and again and again in locations all around the world, public officials cut a deal with private interests to benefit those private interests, claiming that they're doing so to benefit the general public. To say that it often does not work out that way is, I think, an understatement. But if you, dear listener, have some colorful examples to share with us, by all means, do so. Of course, one part I like about the Ryan Lillis, Tony Bizjack, and Dale Kastler piece yesterday, Sacramento Bee, was the quote that uh, Kevin Johnson said that Sacramento City officials should remain focused on a downtown arena and perhaps follow the Kansas City model. Apparently that Midwestern city constructed the Sprint Center, one of the world's busiest arenas, without a professional sports franchise. Of course, in the case of Kansas City, they lost the Kansas City Kings a long time ago to Sacramento. This is unbelievable. The accompanying picture on the front page of the Beast shows Kevin Johnson looks like he's (laughs) been, I don't know, tasered, which I guess if you think about it in a way, kind of has been. I don't know. I'm surprised that the Sacramento Bee has certainly given a, a great deal of coverage to the opponents of this fiasco, but they seem to still be rooting for it more than against it. Uh, editorial piece in the 13th uh, last week, NBA must find new owners for the Kings. Wait, why is it the responsibility of the National Basketball Association to replace the hated local ownership? Tuesday's editorial in the Bee on this was, 
Next arena deal should prompt vetting of options. I don't know. We're still looking at this Anschutz Entertainment Group, AEG, what their relationship is to the Maloofs, how this is being promoted. I mean, like a serious look at how this, this is being promoted. Of course, two weeks ago, in the wake of the Maloofs deciding they didn't need to pay $3 million for this feasibility study, the B editorial said, Maloofs dicker, comma, raised doubts about sincerity. Far as we know, some of the editors are also entertaining some doubts about those weapons of mass destruction over in Iraq. Anyway, let's get off that story for now. I know it will not go away until, you know, until its coffin lid is pried open and a stake is driven through its heart. Accompanying that uh, large piece about Maloof's pulling out of the arena court on the April 14th B, there was a, a nice little item about how levy trees are finally catching a break. In fact, after saying that <laughs> the levees in California need to be stripped of trees, the Army Corps of Engineers is now planning to plant 30,000 of them. Chris McMillan points out this may offer the opportunity to strip them later at great cost to the public. You know, is there some way we can involve the Maloofs in this? I propose we get the Maloofs to finance the planting of 30,000 trees, which they can later then disavow. But uh, noted Matt Weiser in the B, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers will plant more than 30,000 trees on Sacramento River levees next winter. A move that would seem to contradict its own policy calling for levees across the state to be stripped of their trees. Well, yeah. Matt Weiser notes that the Army Corps in 07 advised California levee managers that trees and shrubs threaten levee stability and must be removed. That was the first time that the national maintenance standards had been imposed on California, which had long operated under separate rules that permit trees. Noted the piece, in a little noted exemption, the Corps in October granted itself permission to plant more trees. Officials called it a variance. The move applies to 83 sites along mostly the Sacramento River. Now, Matt's piece notes that the Corps performed emergency erosion repairs after storms in 06, and those repairs involved removing trees and shrubs covering the levees with giant hunks of rock called riprap. Now, the Corps will go back to those sites to plant willow trees and bushes. The Sacramento District of of the Corps sought the exemption from its headquarters in Washington. Claire Marie Turner, the project manager at the Sacramento District, called it evidence that the policy can be flexible by allowing trees where they're needed for habitats and don't harm levee safety. Article quotes Bob Wright, an attorney at Friends of the River in Sacramento, saying that the Corps exemption illustrates policy flaws. He noted that it took a full year for the Sacramento District of the Corps to obtain an exemption, even though the entire process occurred within its own agency. It will will have been nearly six years since the levees were stripped for repair, he said, until they are replanted. Meanwhile, Friends of the River is still suing the Army Corps in an attempt to overturn the tree ban. Now, our understanding on this program was that uh, trees and shrubs stabilize a levee and make it less likely to break. I mean, we've all noticed that hillsides stripped of vegetation erode. I mean, we've observed this, haven't we? We will continue to follow that story as we have so far. And while we do note that the NRA and opponents, fanatic opponents of gun control are oftentimes uh, insane, we do have to note that people who are in favor of gun control are sometimes also insane. Take, for example, this story from Canada, writing on a website called The Stir. Last February 27th, 
Julie Ryan Evans noted that one day last week at school, Jesse Sansone's four-year-old daughter drew a picture of a man with a gun. The teacher didn't like that, so he called Family and Social Services. Noted Ms. Evans, if you think that's an outrageous overreaction, just wait. According to the Calgary Herald, when Jesse went to pick up his daughter and his other children at the end of the day, he was handcuffed, arrested, and strip-searched as they looked for this gun. They actually did find one after they went and searched the family's home in Ontario, only it turned out to be a toy. Yes, the only gun in the entire house was a toy gun. She noted it's outrageous on so many fronts, the first of which is that it was a complete violation of civil liberties even if the gun had been real. It's not illegal to have a gun in one's own home. Maybe her dad's a hunter. Maybe it's for protection and licensed. She didn't draw anyone shooting anyone dead or committing another crime. She just drew a man with a gun. Noted the piece, as I read various reports about the incident, I kept waiting for there to be more to the story. But nope, it was all about this one drawing. For that, this man was treated like a criminal, and his pregnant wife and four children were dragged into the whole mess as well. They had to go to the station for questioning. How incredibly confusing for those children. To which we would add, how incredibly stupid overall. We need to talk about science. Let's, in fact, devote our whole third segment to talking about some science issues. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Let's take a break. <laughs> 